The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Let's see, who do we got on the docket? I looked at it earlier, and I remembered it was Jim Beck. That's right. Here we go. Jim Beck with the Alliance of Energy Producers talks about Donald Trump's visit to Crosby, Texas and the signing of executive orders that will impact the oil and gas industry. Josh Swanson's on a little later in the program. Vogel Law Firm Kerfuffle up in North Dakota. This is an unbelievable case. Anybody that has any minerals or land or anything of ownership should really listen to this interview because the state of North Dakota decided they wanted some mineral rights. So they just like went after them. And the landowners and the mineral owners that had them for 60, 70 years, generations uh, dating back, all of a sudden just got them taken away. So now it's been going on in court, and it's a, it's a quite a kerfuffle. Brouhaha, if you will. So Josh Vogel with, uh, sorry, Josh Swanson with Vogel Law joins us a little later, later in the program as well. So that's what we have on today's docket. Jim Beck, Alliance of Energy Producers, and Josh Swanson with Vogel Law, right here on the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up, we talk with Jim Beck, Alliance of Energy Producers. He's the chairman. Jim Beck, chairman of the Alliance of Energy Producers. My name's Jim Beck, and I am the chairman of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers uh, for the state of Texas. Appreciate you joining the program here today. We were also talking a little bit beforehand. You've got some um, land up in the Bakken area as well, so you've got not only a familiarity with the Texas oil and gas area, but at least a pulse on up in the North Dakota area, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my grandfather homesteaded up there, took the train to Belfield, and if he'd gone north, I would have been in the Bakken play, and but he went south, so all I've got is uh, dry farming. Huh, okay. Well, there, you know, there is some uh, natural gas down by that Amadon area. Of course, Bowman is waiting for the Tyler play to get cracking again with Marathon and Continental Resources down there with a pretty good foothill. But anyway, let's. we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Texas because the President Donald Trump, President Donald Trump was just 
down in was it Crosby, Texas? Talk to me a little bit about what happened down there. I'm, I'm, it's been all over the news, but you know you're down there, boots on the ground area, so you you hear the 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 the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything with it, with it. So talk to us a little bit about the Trump visit. Yes, he he came down uh, to uh, Crosby, Texas. Uh, he wanted to uh, visit a uh, a construction site there, uh, unionized construction site. And then he wanted to sign two executive orders while he was there. So he came in and uh, got good uh, good applause from everybody that was there. And I think they were all very appreciative of the fact that he took the time to come down and talk about how uh, he was going to try to help the uh, pipeline industry improve their results and get more pipeline built uh, inside and across the country. Now you're down in Texas. Um, what are there issues with pipelines down there? I'm not familiar with the uh, Texas pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the Keystone pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the Dakota Access pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the idiosyncrasies of the North Dakota Bakken. We'll even say down into Wyoming, uh, Montana area, but Texas not so much. Are there are there Hurdles, I guess, down there, regulatory issues. Just talk to me a little bit about that pipeline regulatory issues and um, that sort of thing. I know this is symbolic for federal and et cetera, but just uh, use it as a platform to talk about the pipelines down there. Well, we have the the same pipeline problems in Texas that we have nation, nationwide uh, because of the huge oil boom. Uh, drilling for shales in the Permian Basin. They now estimate that the potential oil reserves in the Permian Basin are anywhere between 500 billion and 1.5 trillion barrels of oil. And there really has not been any major pipelines built out of that area since the 60s. So with these tremendous wells that they're bringing on, uh, it completely overloaded the pipeline situation getting oil uh, from the Permian Basin, which is in the Midland-Odessa area, uh, down to the Gulf Coast refineries. And so there has been a huge push to build new both natural gas lines and oil lines to get this uh, production out of West Texas. And uh, we've found a tremendous resistance to building new pipelines uh, from that area in, in the state of Texas. So we're currently fighting uh, battles right now. The, the, the legislature here in Texas meets biannually. And um, right now there's a big battle going on trying to change uh, some of the eminent domain rules to make it a little more fair and balanced so that uh, both the ranchers here in uh, the state of Texas and the pipelines can work out a, an equitable solution to being able to build the number of pipelines that they need to build to get the oil and natural gas out of the Permian Basin and down to the Gulf Coast and into uh, actually Mexico. Mexico is going to be one of our big takers for natural gas. Well, Mexico is salivating to get exactly the natural gas. That's a story we've been covering for several years here on our program. That's that's um, always seemed to end up with a bottleneck in the Permian. And that's kind of what you're talking about there is, is, is a bottleneck, aren't you? That it just seems that if there was a little bit more of, uh, you know, different different areas. You know, you mentioned Corpus Christi with the Gulf. 
Uh, Ian Vasey uh, has been on our program with the Economic Development Council here a number of times talking about the major investments in Corpus Christi. Uh, Lauren Scott, Dr. Lauren Scott from Louisiana State, he's uh, with the economics and does oil and gas. He's mentioned Lake Charles as a big investment in the petrochemical industries especially. So when I look at the Permian and all the different tentacles that they can pipeline to from Lake Charles to Corpus Christi to, I suppose, even up to Kansas, uh, up to Cushing up there. Uh, is, is that how you're looking at it, too, is that there's the Permian is just, is it bottlenecking? Is it is it a hub? It just seems like there's so much more that could come out of there, and there's stuff coming from other shale plays, too. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right about that. Mr. Jim Beck, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. We come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jim Beck, chairman of the Alliance of Energy Producers. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jim Beck, chairman for the Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, what we're finding is that uh, along with the tremendous amount of oil that we're producing, uh, there's a lot of what we call casing head gas that is being produced in the Permian Basin. So we have a huge bottleneck. Every pipeline out of the Permian Basin right now is full. So as you drill a well and you put it online, you can't really produce the oil because there's no room in any of the pipelines. So what happens in that case is that you see a huge differential. They'll say, ah, eh, we can pay you $15 below uh, NYMEX pricing uh, to take your oil. So there's just a major, major problem. And uh, so a lot of companies are just drilling wells and uh, not producing them. They're what we call ducks. And uh, we've got thousands of wells sitting in the Permian Basin uh, waiting to be completed and put online once the pipelines uh, to the Gulf Coast, uh, to Corpus Christi, down to Beaumont. Uh, I think Exxon's spending $2 billion to expand uh, their Beaumont facilities uh, to uh, Lake Charles and to build the new facilities down in Corpus, it's just uh, a huge uh, project waiting to be developed. And uh, so 
Uh, we're seeing all of those problems facing us right now out of the Permian Basin. And just kind of recap real quick, bring it back to the uh, President Trump coming to Crosby, Texas, to sign some of these executive orders. Um, this will then at least help some uh, some of the issues in terms of whether it's streamlining or fast tracking or just cl clearing up some of the red tape so that some of these issues will be resolved. That's kind of the idea is that the executive orders will trickle down to allow some of this fluidity to happen? Well, there's there's two executive orders that were signed. The first one is for international pipelines that are being built. So that includes Keystone. Mm -hmm. And what he signed there was that uh, he has the right to approve that pipeline to be built uh, once the uh, State Department has reviewed all the environmental impacts and everything. And uh, he can say, hey, if I want to approve it, I can approve it and it can be built and so we anticipate there will definitely be a legal challenge to that but uh, apparently he has some pretty good lawyers working for him and they think uh, very positively that uh, that will be approved and that Second, should but but that should open the doors for some stuff down in mexico and texas too correct as far as the international part well that one is just strictly international the second order that he wrote or he approved was uh, to help building of pipelines that cross state lines. Right now, mm -hmm. states like New York and Washington have really essentially put a halt to pipelines being built in their states uh, based on international, on uh, environmental grounds. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what he has done is he said, okay, you guys, you can't, we're, we're going to honor the Clean Water Act, but uh, you guys can't just arbitrarily stop pipelines being built because it eliminates the ability to provide the affordable energy uh, to you know the people in the country and uh, so he's trying to uh, facilitate the building of pipelines uh, which will help us here in Texas a little bit but most of our pipelines are intrastate they, they don't cross state lines and so the feds don't get involved in that now most of the studies that we've done up here in the northern part of the United States indicate that pipelines are still the safest way to transport oil and gas. Is that true down south too? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, good to see our science is matching up on the northern and yeah. southern parts of the country. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Uh, though his his regulations would allow for transport of uh, liquefied natural gas in rail cars uh, if they wanted to do that, but that is by far much less safe than uh, by doing it by, with pipelines so uh, oh well, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of pipelines actually for the environment to be honest oh. i mean not, not only are, are, is it safe and a number of other things but it's it's the most um enter, en environmentally friendly way to do it absolutely takes, no, you're 100 right on yeah that. so i mean it takes the engines off the road takes the safety precautions i love it i think it's great um i'm i'm very happy with these um executive orders i think they were long overdue and i appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about that I, I did want to ask you about uh, one of the other things that the permian and the bakken have in common uh which is flaring and the the, the natural gas is for, in terms of the, the science projects that that kind of you know they're trying to eliminate it and trying to reduce it and you know the number of things and these pipelines are going to be uh, a huge 
godsend to to capturing that gas. And pe- people forget that that that's that's one of the main reasons why there there is an issue of flaring is because just the pipeline capacity is not there. But with the investments in like Charles and uh, Corpus Christi, for example, the pipelines that come on. But for me, what I've said on this program is science project guys this is your opportunity to shine and so are, are you seeing any of these guys that are kind of stepping up in terms of they're called value added i think within the industry i call them science projects because they got to prove what lee tillman told us on our program which is it's very expensive to move a hydro molecule hydrocarbon molecule from texas to southeast asia for example he goes so until the economics are there it's very difficult so um, we've been keeping track on some of these value-added natural gas uh, capture site type things at the wells and a number of different because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, and you know, God bless them for you know sticking their necks out and trying different things. But it just doesn't seem like any of them have taken off to that next level yet. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Is there any of them that that are that you see potential in? Um, just uh, t- talk to me. Uh, I guess react to my long-winded question statement no you're absolutely right uh, innovation is the name of the game when it comes to trying to handle emissions control and uh, we've got a number of companies trying many different things down here uh, the other big issue that we have here that, that folds right in with that is water production mm. uh, we're producing upwards six million six billion barrels of water a year and so they're trying to integrate ways that they can uh, do desalinization with some of the heat or some of the flaring with the natural gas so that you can actually produce uh, water that can be used for irrigation. And uh, so there's a huge area that is, is currently being researched. That is interesting. That is, is really area. interesting, actually. The water innovation. That's that's the next level you're, we're talking about here. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's going to be... Uh, I mean, in West Texas is normally very dry. It has almost no rain. And if you could actually harness uh, 6 billion barrels of water a year and uh, turn it into something that could be usable for farmland, it would be a tremendous boom to uh, the state and the country. That would that would actually be a paradigm shift in the agriculture industry. Absolutely. That, the, the way that uh, horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing changed the oil and gas industry that would turn around and change the ag industry once again. Wow, that's incredible. Um, man, that's I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, it, the, the American spirit is very inventive, and uh, when an opportunity presents itself, we'll find some way to uh, utilize it. So how's how's business down there? Is it is it booming like, like it's supposed to be? You know, we'll kind of wrap up here. By the way, we've got... Um, Jim Beck with us, the Texas Star Alliance. He's the chairman, and we're talking about Donald Trump down in uh, Crosby, Texas, signing some of the executive orders, what kind of impact that's going to have, specifically down in Texas, of course. The Permian, which I've read studies, by the way, uh, 70% of the shale activity over the next 30 years is going to come out of the Permian. Now, I don't know if that's been adjusted at all since a couple years ago when I saw that, but what that told me is, is that Texas is going to be doing a lot of the drilling because we're not even mentioning the Eagle Fur to the Haynes uh, villas either as far as um, what they are contributing to the shale play USA. But uh, just just give us kind of a state of the union down there for Texas and the Permian and everything. Well, right now what we're seeing is uh, 
probably what you'd say consolidation. Uh, Chevron just announced that they're buying Anadarko primarily because of, for their uh, acreage there in the Permian. We expect Exxon is actually the biggest driller right now in the Permian Basin, so the majors are moving in there. Uh, but right now we're sort of in a holding pattern until those pipelines can be built. We're mm-hmm. actually seeing some layoffs occurring in the industry because uh, there's just not that much activity because we can't get the products out to market. So uh, we're in a holding pattern. It's sort of flat right now. And that was Jim Beck, the chairman of the Alliance of Energy Producers. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, the YouTubes. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We have about 350,000 social media followers at thecrudelife.com. Check us out. Click on the social media tab at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm. Updating here with the Lake Sakakawea Mineral Rights case as well as uh, Mr. Swanson. Josh Swanson just got back from oil country out there in the heart of Williston. Bakken, of course, the heart of Watford City is the Bakken, I guess. But Williston used to be, and it's still just as active as ever. We'll get a update in just a second. But hot off the press, 30 minutes ago, something was filed for the Lake Sakakawea judgment or something along those lines. I didn't get time to write my notes, so let's just find out what, what happened here. You guys uh, just recently made some movement on this uh, mineral rights, Lake Sakakawea, North Dakota issue. Literally hot off the press uh, within the last hour. Your listeners, Jason, you and I have talked about it uh, numerous times, the mineral rights under Lake Sakakawea and and the state's unconstitutional claim to those and how the legislature addressed it. Last session was Senate Bill 2134 that codified a new set of statutes in the North Dakota Century Code. The Supreme Court, as your listeners will recall, ruled in our favor in the Wilkinson decision back in September of 2017, and the issue has been batted back and forth with the state seeking to delay the issue and 
put off any sort of determination by the district court as to the application of that particular set of statutes, and, and that's what we did. We filed a summary judgment brief asking the court to decide as a matter of law that applying that set of statutes, Chapter 61-33.1 of the Century Code, in applying that, the state of North Dakota has zero right and zero claim to the mineral interest held by private landowners, including the Wilkinson family who reserved those mineral rights when the United States acquired the property for the Garrison Project in Lake Sakakawea. As, as I know you and I, you know, to, to give your listeners a refresher, because this saga has been going on for several years now, uh, the Industrial Commission last fall issued its order adopting that study done by Wenken Associates, and as part of that study, it had determined that with, with our clients, in this case, the Wilkinsons, their property was above the ordinary high water mark. And, and we're asking the district court judge to rule now as a matter of law that the state has no right to continue claiming an interest in that property. And what's the current right now as far as before this thing was issued? Was the state was going to receive the minerals or you guys were or where, where was it? beforehand the the last few years our position all along going back to when this case was filed in 2012 is that the private landowners like the wilkinsons have always had the minerals and it was only the attorney general's office and the land board that recently around 2010 had decided to make this land grab and the issue has been up to the north dakota supreme court which ruled in our favor and uh, the state has persisted in, in claiming these minerals, although the Supreme Court, in its decision in September 2017 in the Wilkinson case, said any outcome that ends with the state having these minerals is an unconstitutional taking in violation of the United States and North Dakota constitutions. So the oil companies um, won't release the proceeds generated from these mineral acres okay. so not only my clients but you have you have you know hundreds of mineral owners that have money tied up yeah because the oil company says look until this process is is finalized we're not going to pay anybody so we're moving forward on that and telling the court to order the state to drop their claim to this property so these these the, the monies are essentially in probate or they're in just somewhere in in, in, a, in a mineral right purgatory until this thing gets resolved, finally. That's yeah, yeah. That, that that's about that. That's the perfect word to describe that. Is is the purgatory? These mineral proceeds that are that are owed to my clients and many other mineral owners, they're sitting there in an account that you know my clients keep up keep racking up attorneys' fees and yes. Not only are they entitled to these proceeds, but other families are as well. But they can't touch them or get access to the proceeds until this process is. It's finished, so yeah, they're they're very much in purgatory. And the state's just using state money, right? They're not they're not having, well, they use tax dollars and state money, so they don't that they, they don't feel that pinch like your mineral right home landowners do. That's that's, a, that's exactly right. You know, the the state has all the resources in the world to to fight this, courtesy of the great taxpayers. Of North Dakota, the, the private landowners, whether they're my clients or other families impacted, they've got to go out and hire an attorney. And, and I know I've mentioned it before to your listeners, but I'm looking at several 
bookshelves in my office that are filled with paperwork and filings from this case. So we're, we're really looking forward to finally being able to argue this to the district court in June and, and really looking forward to the state's response to see whether or not they'll finally abide by the law, by what the Supreme Court said, by the statute, by the Industrial Commission's order. And, the, and really, the, to be quite frank, the damnedest thing, if the state were to dispute the findings of the Industrial Commission, if you think about it for a minute, attorney, the Attorney General is on the Industrial Commission. He signed and approved the order that says our client's minerals are above the high water mark and the state has no claim to them. So I really don't understand, and I don't think there's a legal avenue possible, which is one of the things we argue in our brief, that the state is prevented from asserting a claim to these minerals because the the attorney general who is filing, his office is filing these briefs trying to, to claim our client's minerals, he signed the, you know, he signed the gosh darn order saying that the minerals are above the high water marks. So that's one of the questions we're uh, anxiously awaiting to see the state's response on here. Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm, on the line with us here. Just a few more minutes, and I wanted to ask you, and you don't have to answer this, but I'm, I'm just curious about the elephant in the room. And this is not a political program, and that's why you don't have to answer this, but I know Vogel has lobbyists, or I assume they have lobbyists, or you know lobbyists, so you can certainly cite a lobbyist if you feel it's a political question. The North Dakota GOP prides themselves on being uh, conservative Republicans and, and state, state stay out of my checkbook and, and yada yada type thing. Where are they at on this? I mean, it just, it just seems like so counterintuitive to what they openly brag is their ideology. Are you following me on this? I'm, I'm not trying to make this political, but the, but they're the ones who brag about it. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I'm happy to answer the question. And as far as the the ideology and the conservative nature of the state, you're you're exactly right. That that's exactly right. And I would have hoped that the the I'll start by saying this, Jason. The legislature in passing Senate Bill 2134 several years ago, recognized that there was a wrong that needed to be made right. And, and we're thankful for the state legislators for doing that, and we're appreciative of Governor Burgum signing that legislation and making it retroactive. And uh, the process that has played out since, I, I will say that the land board has been more cooperative, and, and we agree that the land board's brief in the Sorum versus Nelson case where Representative Nelson challenged the constitutionality of Senate Bill 2134, the state in that case opposed that particular challenge and argued that the legislation was constitutional. And we, we certainly appreciate the land board taking that position. And that's one of the things we cite in our, our recent brief filed today with the district court in our case is that in the Sorum and, and Nelson case versus the state, the state agrees with us. They take the position that we're taking, and, and part of our argument is the state can't have it both ways. And so uh, when you talk about the uh, the elected officials in statewide government, I, I would hope that uh, in this particular situation they'll say enough is enough. I really don't know the attorney general. His you would, Given the, 
the significance of this case and the fact there were hundreds of millions of dollars tied up and there are thousands of North Dakotans whose private property rights are impacted. I would like to think that the Attorney General would, would take an interest in this particular case and direct his office because at the end of the day, it's, it's like that old Harry Truman sign that was on his desk, the buck stops here. I would like to think the Attorney General would direct his office and say, look, the order is final, enough is enough. We need to respect that process and let this family have the finality and the outcome they're entitled to under the statute and to direct the attorneys in this particular case to, to drop their claims to these private property. But, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me that my clients have had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting for something that's always been theirs. And there hasn't been more of a, um, a stronger response and I understand administrations come and go, and and you know legislatures change every two years. Mr. Josh Swanson, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Josh Swanson of Fogel Law. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Drinking with my buddies at the press box bar. We drank until we could barely stand up, sang songs and play guitar. Yeah, things got pretty rowdy. I got home about a quarter to four. I promised myself this morning I wasn't drinking anymore. But now I'm back at the bar again Hanging out with all my rowdy friends Getting drunk and singing redneck songs I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe. place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. And, you know, legislatures change every two years. This is really on the Attorney General. And I would love to visit with him about this, about finality in resolution. And, and we've made that invitation before. We've been very direct in our communications to the AG's office. And, and right now, I hope that, you know, you talk about private property rights and the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution and Article One, Section 16 of the North Dakota Constitution, 
and, and respecting respecting those because at the end of the day, you know, those those two sacred protections are about individual liberty and individual rights against the intrusions from government, and, and that's that's what this all comes down to. And it's not really a complicated issue. So I, I hope it's my sincerest hope that that our elected officials on the statewide level. Um, finally come around on this but um if if they just kick the can down the road or ignore it that's that's my biggest concern and i think the reality of the situation is that it's gotten this far and and i fear that the attorney general is just going to do the same thing he's been doing um we'll see how the land board responds to it but i i I understand that the question and it's it's incredibly frustrating and and not I mean, it's frustrating for me as an attorney who cares about his clients and who has to see his clients go through the hell that my clients have been through. But I, I, I don't think any of us can really understand and appreciate when you're a, a, a citizen who's paying taxes and has had this property in their land going back to world right after World War One, to have the state come in and take that and to have individuals and state government just sit idly by while you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to protect something that's always been in your family. There's something that's just not right with that. There's something that's deeply troubling and deeply upsetting. And and I would ask your listeners to this program just to put themselves into the shoes of those families that have been impacted by this, that have had to have spent the monies and resources in the last 10 years that my clients have. And, And if it can happen to them, it can certainly happen to anybody when, when there's that sort of um, lack of accountability from certain levels of our government. So, um, you know, whether, whether that's uh, taking on your question head, not, uh, head on or sidestepping it, um, that, that's, that's where I guess my take on the situation is. That was Josh Swanson with Vogel Law. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook and the YouTubes and all the Twitters. Check out thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. We've got about 350,000 social media followers. I suppose close to 400,000 if you include my LinkedIn. That's another social media. It's just so many social medias. Just check out thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Josh Swanson with Vogel Law, as well as Jim Beck with the Alliance of Energy Producers. Thank you very much for coming on the Multimedia Cafe, our Week in Review program here. And we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. Appreciate you folks tuning in and um, online. Appreciate it. There's a lot of different places to get your content, so we are very grateful that you've chosen us. And if you're downloading us on a podcast, thank you very much. And if you wouldn't mind, leave us a comment from time to time. Good, bad, the ugly, we love them. We prefer the good, but, you know, we'll take the bad occasionally, too. we got to self-correct. Hey, we're always about improvement here at the Multimedia Cafe. From the staff at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Yeah.
treble There's no breaks in the place It's just you and me and baby Singing it like we did in the good old days Yeah, we're singing it like we did in the good old days Because we're back to the way First full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. 